Well, when you hear that sound, you know it means only one thing. It is time for Brooklyn Paper Radio recording live on podcast from downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown, from the 10th floor of the beautiful Brooklyn Paper Building. That's what they're calling it. In Bruce Ratner's Metrotech Center. We have a very special guest, but before we introduce him in or studio, her. In studio, Gersh. In studio. Or her. I'm going to thank our, our advertisers, our supporters, Dr. Joseph Lichter, DDS, and of course, Atlas Steak. You got your teeth clean, then you go use them at Atlas Steak, we always say. Mm-hmm. It's a very special edition, a very special episode, a very special podcast of Brooklyn Paper Radio. The reason being, it's the second in our themed issues. Yeah. First time we did that Star Wars themed issue. Not that popular. Not that popular. Didn't go over so well. But Didn't now, go over well as I like. Now, and even though we had an exclusive interview with R2-D2... I no, was, he was great. He, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I was no. very surprised that didn't do so well. But this one's going to do well. I'll tell you why. This is the, and thanks for sharing those nuts, by the way. Uh, no, they're really good. Thanks, Vince. This is going to be a special edition because we are going to get to the heart of the thing, not that thing, the other thing that Brooklynites care about. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about traffic, transit, bike lanes, cars, drones, subways. The mean streets, Gersh. The mean streets. The mean streets. Joining us, of course, is Sam Schwartz, the legendary former Department of Transportation Commissioner, the legendary transportation consultant of Sam Schwartz Transportation Consultants, Mm -hmm. traveling all over the world, helping the world with its traffic problems. Sam Schwartz, I want to thank you and welcome you in studio to Brooklyn Paper Radio. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Sam, it is great to put a face to the name. And when I say the name, I don't mean just some byline I've seen in the Daily News all these years. I'm talking about a legend. And Vince, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've seen his face in the Daily News. I would say, uh, in my... Yeah, that's true. It was there. It was there, right? (laughs) Was it not? Sam, just just if I could do the fanboy thing. Like, I've been in journalism for about 25 years in this city. And your name is like one of those permanent names. It's like a... uh, Give me another one of those permanent names. Well, a Mark Green. I just throw it out there. But he's faded. Where's Mark Green? Yeah, he did fade. Or or, uh, used to be uh, Andrew Stein. Remember Andy Stein? But where's Andy Stein? Gone. I don't know. Sam Schwartz still here. So, Sam, thank you for coming. I really do appreciate You're that. You're welcome. All right. We're going to get to the tough questions. And, Vince, you got the toughest right off the bat. Oh, is that, is that how we're doing Yeah, how it's a special time? edition, and we're not going to waste time. No, we're not. And we want to talk about transportation, and we want to talk about how New York City has evolved through the years. And the first question that I have for you, uh, it has to do with the fact that I moved to San Francisco. Big mistake. This is back in the early 90s. Great move. Great move. When I was in, I was paying seven hundred fifteen dollars a month for an apartment on Market Street, which you know, fantastic. How old deal. were you? How old were you? I was like 22, 23. Sam, I ask because it's going to be relevant to what he tells you. It will me. be. Okay. All right. So I'm in San Francisco, and I'm on uh, Geary Street out there in like Pacific Heights or whatever, and I'm walking across the street, jaywalking, because I'm a New Yorker. Well, it's a city of neighborhoods, by the way. It is. I'm a New Yorker. I'm walking across the street, jaywalking. As I'm walking across the street, there is a car coming down Geary. So what do I do as a New Yorker? I slowed down to allow the car to pass. What does the car do? You timed your walk. You timed your walk. I'm timing it so that he'll pass me and I will continue on my way. So he slows down. My San Francisco driver. Because and, and he's trying to let me go. And now we're at this like kind of crossroads where I'm slowing, speeding. He doesn't know what to do. They call that they call that a California standoff. Is by it, the way, that's what that is, right? So I didn't know what to do, and I was very confused by this because as a New Yorker. I had been conditioned to let cars kind of rule the way. And I would, you know, slow myself down and let the car pass. But those guys in San Francisco apparently had been conditioned to allow the pedestrians the right of way, so to speak. So my question for you, sir, is when did cars become the top of the vehicular food chain here in New York City? When did that happen? And People, the, what the can kids, we do about it? Yeah, <laughs> the, the kids had to get out of the way, let the cars pass, you know, during their stickball game. Well, th- this occurred nationally. It really wasn't just New York City. It was a whole host of cities. Uh, there's a very good book out by Peter Norton called Fighting Traffic, and it's about the first 30 years of last century. Uh, the car came about towards the end of the 19th century, Early 20th century, uh, the Model T comes out. Uh-huh. Henry Ford figures out how to make mass numbers of cars. Cars are growing on the road, and it becomes bloody. Community after community 
is being knocked down by cars, children are being killed. Mm -hmm. 20 to 30,000 people when we had a much smaller population were being killed each year. Mm. There were no rules, regulations. Pedestrians walked in any direction they wanted as they have been walking for 6,000 years. It, it was mayhem. And and then the car industry really took over. They took over mm. in, on a national level and formed a task force on uniform regulations in the United States. They only had one person that might have been representing the pedestrian, but essentially the pedestrian got squeezed out over those 30 years. By then the depression happened, the war happened, and then things got even worse for pedestrians going forward post-World War II when we forgot that we could walk places. Hmm. So this was all Henry Ford's fault. That's what I'm getting at. I'm glad you brought that up because he's a noted anti-Semite. Just throwing that out there. I I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. Sam, you knew that, right? I've heard that, yes. <laughs> you can't libel the dead. The guy was a noted anti-Semite. <laughs> Jimmy, if you could put up a picture of uh, Henry Ford. Anyway, so you're saying that it was even, in some ways, it was even bloodier in the early days when it was ostensibly lawless. Yes, yes, it was lawless. Traffic signals really didn't hit uh, New York until the 1920s. The first ones that went up were on Fifth Avenue around 1919, and they only had signal heads on two sides. It was at 5th and 42nd Street, and it was to to give a gap so that the 42nd Street traffic could get across. There was nothing facing the 42nd Street traffic. So it was terribly dangerous in the 1920s, 19-teens, 1930s, lots of people being killed. In the United States, we reached the peaks in the 60s, and, and then finally, with Ralph Nader's unsafe at any speed, we began really paying attention towards measures that uh, would make things safer. It's, it's hmm. funny you talk about, like, the, the controls and all that. I mean, it's sort of a little bit like today in the sense that you say, well, we traded away some of our pedestrian rights, maybe unconsciously, to help the automobile not run us over. But now it's like we've got so many different vehicles, if you will, competing on the mean streets. That's why we call it mean streets here in, at the Brooklyn paper. Uh, we got cars. We got pedestrians. We got cyclists. And we got... Uh, people just not paying attention. No, I, no. I, I, I wanted to say assholes, but we'll just keep it clean. But yeah. anyway, which side are you on, Sam? Ultimately, you're, you're a traffic consultant. You probably have to take into account everybody's needs. But r- which side are you on? You could tell us. Okay. Well, well, first of all, the best cities are the ones that are both multimodal and multinodal. You make the best use and most efficient use of all forms of transportation. But when it comes to the streets, the pedestrian is king and queen. And nobody should usurp the pedestrian paths. Everyone must yield to the pedestrian, the most vulnerable user out there. So uh, in in New York City, they just passed, uh, I believe the city council just passed a regulation saying even if the pedestrian is in the wrong, Mm -hmm. crossing against the don't walk, the pedestrian still has the right of way, and hmm. that is the correct interpretation. So that but I've always, I was always taught that that was the case when I was a kid and I first got my driver's license. Which, by the way, growing up on Staten Island was the happiest day of my life. Um, you, you were always taught that listen, the pedestrian always has the right of way, no matter what happens. If you hit that pedestrian, it's your fault. You're telling me that this just became a law now? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so it was very unclear. It said when the pedestrian had the walk indication, the pedestrian had the right of way. But now we've seen those countdown signals, and those countdown signals come on when that stop hand is flashing. And technically, at that point, you're not supposed to be starting to cross the intersection. Mm. So sometimes when somebody did get struck, a police officer would would have a witness that would say they were crossing during the don't walk, Mm -hmm. the flashing don't walk phase. That's right. And then the driver would not be found at fault. Now it's finally, it's about to become a law, or it was just passed that uh, even during the don't walk flashing phase, the pedestrian has the right of way. What if, what if you literally jump out into traffic and are hit? They're not going to charge a car driver with that, are they? N- no. I mean, if somebody runs out, darts out, and yeah. we have plenty of dart out uh, crashes, if it turns out the driver wasn't doing anything wrong, then no, the driver won't be charged. Well, who's responsible for the for the, the language that's used when, when there is, in fact, an auto accident, so to speak? Now, if, if someone hits someone else, usually it, it is an accident, right? It's, it's not on purpose, right? But it's always been like when like a bicyclist gets hit, yeah. it always seems to be like, well, it was, it was an accident. It shouldn't have happened. But I'm sure there are situations where it wouldn't have happened had the driver been paying attention or had the, um, 
Well, the cyclist. The, the cyclist or the pedestrian been doing something right. When did that term was has that term always been used? Because I know people are trying to move away from it. Yeah, that term was used for, for many many years. Uh, when I started at the traffic department forty five years ago, there was a division, and I briefly headed it up called the AKI Accident Killed Injured Division. Now we don't use the word accident anymore. We mm. use the word crash or collision. Mm. So it's a more accurate term because accident is hey nothing could have been done to prevent it. But in many, many cases, something could have been done to prevent it. So you guys just what I've been telling you all the time. Words are important. Words are important. I mean, we're editors here, as you know, Sam. All right, now, speaking of words, because this has been in my craw for a long time. Bill de Blasio, don't care what you think about him. You can say whatever you want, positive, negative, I don't care. But the mayor put out a big press release, big, much hyped press release, Vision Zero. We're going to get the number down to zero, people dying on our streets. Great. But up to this point, and I have tra tra traffic advocates, maybe even including yourself, who say he's not doing enough. He's not doing enough to bring that down. It's a, it's a press release, a paper tiger. Now, we got some more bike lanes. We got more protected bike lanes. But my transportation ad advocates, and you know who I'm talking about, the streets blog people, the transalt people, they're saying he's not doing enough, and he's got to put some money behind that press release. Where are you on that? Vision Zero. Can we get fatalities down to zero, and how? Uh, for, for the types of vehicles that we have right now on the road, the answer is no. Whoa. You won't get down to zero. You know, you can aim towards zero. However, when autonomous vehicles come mm -hmm. around, we'll get much closer to zero. We still won't reach zero. I remember when people complained about autonomous elevators. They only mm -hmm. wanted to go into elevators that were manually controlled. Mm -hmm. Well, we right. cut down on some of the crashes in elevators. Still a few people die in elevator accidents each year in New York City. Uh, so is the mayor doing enough? I think it is absolutely right for transportation alternatives and all these other groups to keep the pressure up. I was in government. There is a, it's a balancing force. There are other people that say move the traffic more swiftly mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. get those damn bike riders off the streets or undo the bike lanes. So it's important that there be a balance there and I think that that's what a lot of these groups are doing. The mayor's done and his Department of Transportation have done some very good things for pedestrians. Uh, one of the things that I've seen uh, around town more and more are these mid-block uh, or these uh, mid-intersection refuge areas. Mm -hmm. That's been shown to be very effective yeah. in mm -hmm. terms of uh, curbing pedestrian crashes. Now, which one's the mid-intersection refuge area? Which uh, one that, that, that would be uh, something like on West End Avenue at 96th Street where we had so many crashes that uh, these islands have been placed between the opposing directions of traffic. You'll, you'll, oh, so forg you'll forgive us for asking, but West End Avenue, I guess, is in another city. It's in Manhattan, I guess? Uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere okay, near Europe. I sorry, think. I forgot yeah. about that. Okay. Right. Other side of the West River. Yeah. All right. So the bottom line. So they're putting, the, it's actually building a... Um, like uh, a little place to stand. An island in the middle of the in the middle of the road to to make it safer for the pedestrian crossing the street, correct? Yes, absolutely. It shortens the distance that a pedestrian has to go from one point to another, and if the pedestrian can't get fully across, uh, it uh, allows them a refuge area. But it also slows the traffic That's making the turns. That's the key. Mm -hmm. The key is traffic calming. And I got to say, I've been a big supporter of that. One of the reasons why I actually like and always did, for the record, always did the Prospect Park West bike lane, the highly controversial one is because it reduced the number of car lanes down to two. Now, Vince is a big driver. <laughs> and the point is, yes, you do have to go a little bit slower no, on Prospect Park West. But I have found if you go 24 miles an hour, which is a reasonable speed, you make every light. And it, and it has reduced traffic. But the downside, Sam, and you're, you probably have this question asked a lot, the minute one person double parks, the whole thing goes to hell. There's got to be a way to make sure that doesn't happen. A well, single well, double park car. Yeah, well, well, the first part of it, you're right. Uh, on Prospect Park West, and the lawsuit has just been dropped yes. by the opponents. Yeah, finally. Uh, and uh, what that does, whether or not you think there should be a bike lane there, going from three lanes to two lanes increases the density of traffic. And it slows the traffic down. And you can't pass the traffic going 40 or 50 miles an hour as you could in the past on Prospect Park West. Mm -hmm. It generally doesn't slow anybody's average trip very much, 30 seconds, 10 yeah. seconds, in many cases not at all. So it is safer. Strong enforcement, the police department, uh, the traffic agents. At one time, the all the traffic agents were under the, the um, 
uh, control of the Department of Transportation. In fact, they, they reported to me when I was the city's traffic commissioner. And I think that that's, that helps uh, assign the people mm-hmm. to the most critical locations so you don't get that kind of double parking. The yeah. police do a really good job of fighting traffic, uh, fighting crime, but when it comes to fighting traffic, uh, not so good. Well, it's a bit of a lower priority for uh, them, for yes. them, not for me. Because if, if it was up to me, I'd give you, a, you and guys like you a small army uh, or a large army. Possibly. Gersh made a good point about um, about traffic commerce. Oh, thank Slo- you, Vince. Yeah, thank no, you, Vince. I just want to point I'm, – I'm, I'm giving credit where Thanks, credit Vince. is due, Gersh. Thank you, Vince. Uh, about traffic calming and, and slowing down cars, which ultimately I would think needs to be the goal to get this Vision Zero thing to work. If cars are going fast, they're more likely to get into an accident. But my question is why do drivers think that they're entitled to get someplace quickly? What is the, why is there a mindset that when you get into the car, anytime you hit traffic, you have to get angry and upset and feel as if someone is stopping you from doing what you want to do? Is there something wrong in our heads, you know, from a, like, a, has there ever been any studies to see, like, what's the mindset of a driver when, he's, when he, he or she's driving the car that gives them road rage when the simplest thing the simplest infraction happens to them. Is yeah, I think it's a evolution. You know, when somebody was grabbing that piece of meat before uh, one of us could grab it, we pushed them out of the way. In around 1950, Walt Disney did this uh, wonderful cartoon, and uh, Goofy was this um, amazing husband, family man or dog. And That's a dog. He, <laughs> That's a dog. And he, I don't know what Goofy is. Yes. Pluto's and, a dog. And he was having uh, breakfast with his family, and he, you couldn't imagine a nicer guy. And then he, <laughs> he leaves with his briefcase. I think Jimmy's going to put up the cartoon. He, Jimmy, he, put up the cartoon. He, get, he gets into his car, and suddenly the teeth yeah. come down, the growling, the snarling, and something happens to us. In fact, it happens to me. I trained as a cab driver, by the way, driving in New York City, and you wouldn't want to ride with me, but I can't believe how angry I get. Now, I probably get angrier than almost everybody else because not only am I angry at the other drivers, but I'm angry at the city when mm-hmm. I know they're not timing the signals right, when they're not enforcing the roads right, when they, the, when they didn't build the right channelization. So in many ways, uh, you know, we all have it within us, and I think it's it goes back to our evolution. Well, it's funny you mentioned drivers, though. Vince is obsessed with them, obviously, because he is one. But as a cyclist, I never get that kind of traffic rage because almost 99% of the time I get from my house to my office without any t- strange sudden traffic. But I said to Vince this morning, well, what if suddenly there's so many cyclists on the roadways that Vision Zero is so successful, there's so many bike riders that it ends up slowing me down at various choke points. Would I end up becoming like a driver in that way? Well, I've seen a lot of angry cyclists. Well, yeah, so no, Kirk, that's true. Kirsch, I, I think, you, you know, you may be the exception or you're riding on some very mild paths. But let me tell you, I've seen cyclists take, take their, uh, their mm-hmm. backpacks and smack cars with them or cut off a car and oh, that was get me. really angry. That, that was me. So yeah. I, I think even walkers, we start to shove people. Getting out of the subway now, oh, yeah. people aren't letting you get out of the subway. Well, I have to shove people out of the way just to get off the train. Well, you remember the Giuliani-era barricades in Midtown to get people to stop, you know, crossing a, a, against the cars or whatever. And we, we had protests. I remember those. Remove the barricades. We dressed as cows. Remember, because he wanted to put us in cattle pens. Mm-hmm. Sam, you remember that, obviously. Oh, I, I remember that. was that. me yeah. dressed as a cow. Remove the barricades. <laughs> and, and we won partially. He, he kept a couple of them up, and they're working all right as far as I, I think. I don't know if you're yeah, What was your take on those? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, the pedestrian is king and queen. We shouldn't be channelizing the pedestrians. We should be channelizing and slowing the traffic and make it easier for the pedestrians to get across the street. Making pedestrians and go in in a horseshoe pattern to get yeah. across the street is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Although I, you understand the logic as a transportation oh, guy. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. There, there are better ways to do it. Uh, one of the most interesting I saw was in Hiroshima, Japan. What they did is at the corners, they built these beautiful gardens that nobody steps on. So they, they move a little bit further back. It's not a pen to corral you. Mm-hmm. It's a garden to enjoy, and it really does improve the environment. I like that. Hiroshima. He brings up Hiroshima. Because as I said, Sam Schwartz, transportation consultants, works the world over. Now, Sam, we got to take a break. Quick break. We've got to pay some bills. Right, Jimmy? Yep. All right. Okay. got to pay some bills. So give us a little music, Jimmy. Now, Sam, you and I talked about this before the show in the green room. 
When was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? It's, it's, there's no answer, because you haven't. It's been too long? Go see Dr. Joseph Lichter. Now, maybe you don't want to go all the way at the Midwood Avenue P to get your uh, teeth cleaned, but I do. Because he's got a state-of-the-art dentist... Sorry, he's got a state-of-the-art dental facility with those hygienists and the lab technicians, the whole bit. But the prices are like practically so low. It's like Crazy Eddie of dentistry. It Giving really it all is. away. Yeah. Invisalign. Jimmy, you had Invisalign at a fancy Manhattan dentist that was $5,000. Lichter will do it for $4,000. I got porcelain, porcelain veneers. I expected to pay $1,000. Lichter gave it to me for $675. And that's not some Brooklyn Paper Radio deal. That's his everyday price. Yeah. So... You want to do that, you want to get the Zoom teeth whitening, you want to get braces for your kids, you call Dr. Lichter today, 718-339-7878. You mentioned Gersh, just mention Gersh. Just say it, doesn't hurt. What's going to happen, who knows? Anyway, 718-339-7878. Lichter's located on Avenue P between East 15th and East 14th in Midwood, or you can visit him online at drjosephlichterdds.com. That's Lichter, L-I-C-H-T-E-R, D-D-S. It's tough to spell it. it. It's never easy to well, spell. Well, you got to think Lichter, because you got teeth, you're going to lick your teeth. Lichter. Lichter. Something like that. What do you do with those teeth once they're I'll clean? I'll tell you, once you get those teeth nice and clean, you're going to head on over to Atlas Steakhouse. Atlas Steakhouse, the home of signature cocktails, succulent appetizers, and the finest steaks money can buy. Gersh and I have been there. Gersh, you been there? I had the crab cakes. You did? You enjoyed that? Oh, yeah. They were succulent. And I believe you had the Godfather. That's a cocktail. Now, did you have any of the desserts? I did. I had a uh, some apple kind of thing that was very good. Well, you had that dessert. Not too sweet. I had the other dessert, which was sweeter than the last. That's nice. That's right, because it's Atlas Steakhouse. They're at 943 Coney Island Avenue. Don't call them. Just visit them online at atlassteak.com. All right, Jimmy, thanks for that music. And Sam, thanks for bearing with us. You know, in part two of our segment... I want to ramp it up because it's been, it's, I got to say, Vince, it's been like a very civil discussion. It has been. A little too civil. Maybe. All right. So, Sam, buses, how bad are they? And if your answer isn't they're unbelievably bad, just walk out. Just get out. How bad are buses? All right. Where's the door? <laughs> B- buses are a disaster, Sam. Well, well, it's re- it, it, there's something going on. There is a problem with buses because people are beginning to abandon yeah. the buses. Uh, the numbers of subway riders are going up. The number of drivers are going up. Most modes of transportation are seeing increases. The only one that is seeing a decrease are buses. Mm-hmm. So there is something wrong, and I think that something wrong has to do with a lot of the traffic. We have far more traffic now than we've had in a long time. There's been a 4% growth in the number of vehicles in New York City in the past two years, 4% each year. On top of that, what we're seeing is the Uber, the Lyfts, the Vias, the Gets, and all the others that are circulating all the time. And they affect buses more than they affect any other form of transit. Mm, so people are instead taking the Uber instead of, instead of riding the bus. Is that, the, is that part of the issue? Or are you blaming the Uber on the extra traffic? Yeah, both. Oh, both. Really? They're, they're abandoning some of the bus trips, uh, going to Ubers and, and Lyfts. But the Ubers and the Lyfts are contributing to added traffic congestion. Uh, for example, in downtown Brooklyn, I won't use that country across the river. Thank you. And in downtown Brooklyn, a Uber vehicle that stays in downtown Brooklyn is the equivalent of 40 cars coming into downtown Brooklyn because it circulates all that time. Plus, we added all the green taxis. Mm-hmm. We've done so much adding without adding capacity. And that's part of the problem. Well, you can't add capacity, can you? Is there any way to add roads to New York City? Well, there's very little opportunity to add roads, which is why I call for a pricing mechanism. One of the problems that we have, and especially here in Brooklyn, is we have three free toll, three three free bridges uh, sandwiched by two toll two toll tunnels. So you have the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel on one side, you have the Queens Midtown Tunnel on the other. And then you have the Williamsburg Bridge, the Manhattan Bridge, and the Brooklyn Bridge. And people hop off the highways. Mm-hmm. They hop off the yep. BQE, the Gowanus, mm-hmm. to use the streets of downtown Brooklyn. Uh, they avoid the Midtown Tunnel and ride through the streets of the Williamsburg Bridge to avoid a toll. So toll shopping causes a lot of the problems, particularly in downtown Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid going with my dad, uh, he used to work in, uh, on Broadway. 
Uh, Broadway in Brooklyn? Uh, Broadway in uh, Times Square across the across the uh, east, the West River. The Republic of Manhattan. There you go. And when we when I was a kid and we would drive into Manhattan, there was more traffic going to the Battery Tunnel than there was going uh, to continue on the BQE. It used to it used to actually split that way. And now obviously that's changed dramatically. Everybody goes off. I guess, I don't know if it's the amount back then the toll was a buck, but you know it's it's really it's totally changed. And, and having I know Gersh is completely against uh, raising those tolls, aren't you? Uh, you you and I <coughs> will differ on this, Vince. I am in favor of massive tolls. That's right. You're in favor of massive tolls. But just as I'm in favor, Sam, just to be fair, of every new building built in New York City should be 100 stories, half affordable. But that's a topic for another time. That's, yeah, that's not that's not for you. So I'm the, a radical. But I want I want to get back to the super thing. Is is the fact that there are all these yellow cabs that have are medallions? They're going to be there no matter what. Uh, isn't that something the city should look into if there are now this new technology that's come in that can actually do that same job? You're talking about self-driving cars. Well, we'll get we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But oh, I thought he was talking about self-driving cars. No, we are. We're going to get to that. But right now, I'm talking about Uber. And Uber. When I, the question is, should the city make adjustments to the amount of medallions that are out there because now there are all these other Uber cars, or is it are the two things not related? Well, well, they're related, but they're not equal. Mm-hmm. So a, a yellow taxi cab has to stay on the road. A yellow taxi cab is obligated to go into communities, obligated to pick up uh, a, any person. They are obligated to maintain insurance. They're obligated to go through a training program that I think is four to six weeks. The Uber drivers have almost none of those obligations. And, and just and if I could just cut you off for one second. And they don't know where they're going. I'm on the record on this. They are always on their phone. Literally, I got to go from 1st Street in Park Slope to 15th Street in Park Slope. The guy is on his phone tri- figuring out how he's going to get there. All right, go ahead. And, and, Sorry, and a lot of the Uber drivers are part-time drivers. They have other, dri- they have other jobs. They will um, work for two or three hours. They'll mm-hmm. work during the peak times. They'll wait for the surges. Uh, they will work for uh, other car companies during the day. For example, there there is a service, uh, Via. In full disclosure, I've done consulting work with Via. Full disclosure. Via, Via, Via drivers are paid a salary. Nice. Uber drivers get a commission. So there are some people that, when the traffic is at its worst, become Via drivers, mm. and then they flip a switch when the traffic's moving faster, and they become Uber drivers, or when the surge occurs. See, Wait, that's, how, how that's does, capitalism. But how does that affect their salary if suddenly they stop being Via drivers? They, they're paid by the hour, I guess? They're not being paid they, Yeah, they, they don't get paid by Via anymore, and then they get their money from Uber, and they're making more money because they're traveling faster. Well, I'm, I'm going to download the Via app right now, because I like oh. the sound. No, no offense, Sam. I'm not doing this because you're you know, Mr. Big Consultant. I'm just saying I like the sound of a company that pays its workers. Is that, is, that a, is that a good model? Yeah, I, I think it's a good model. And it's also the VIA model is, is really a transit model. It's not the individual passenger. So you, can't, oh. you cannot take a VIA and, alone. But it, yeah, it's always people. a shared ride VIA. Yeah, and that's, that's a form of transit. It's also a form of dating. Do you ever think of that, you ever think of that Sam? Uh, You're happily the, the, married. The, 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 You're happily yeah, married. That's right. So I won't go there. Well, but as a consultant, as a consultant, you get yeah. in your car and, and a woman or a man, I don't care which way you swing, gets in the car and you start talking. Mm-hmm. Right. It right. Is, it's an opportunity, absolutely. Where are you so, so is walking. <laughs> Where are you headed? Uh, there you go. <laughs> dri- driving, you don't meet anybody. You don't, you don't get exactly a date right. driving. And I noticed, Sam, you're not wearing a wedding ring. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. <laughs> okay, so what? I can't ask personal questions. <laughs> go ahead. Gersh, uh, you mentioned uh, the driverless cars before, and yes. Gersh yes, yes. subsequently mes- mentioned it. I don't know why. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, driverless cars seems to me, that it's it's gonna it's like the ultimate economy disruptor. Like this is something the driverless car is gonna change the way America does business. Well, why, Vince? Can tell him why. why? I mean, not that he doesn't know. <laughs> but go tell him why for our listeners. Well, if if every if there's a driverless if there's a driverless car system out there that allows you to just basically make a phone call in the morning and a driverless car is gonna come and pick you up, or even if your driverless car is gonna take you to work and then go back home and uh, park, park itself. itself. In your in your garage or on the side of the road or whatever it may be, uh, it's it's going to change the entire company. Like I come to work every day, I got to park my car, I pay for that parking space. Now I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, so the car's going to drive itself so, home. So that money's gone. The and and not only that, tax. it's it's going to pick someone else and drive them to your house. It could do that and give you the money. Possibly, it may start dating your wife though. 
I could have Keep my that own. in mind. I could have my, But do you see how the, you know, I had a whole list of ideas of, of how it could change. Uh, well, new car sales, used car sales, parking lots, insurance issues, registration, gas all, taxes. All, like the government would be adversely affected the amount of income it would get if all of a sudden nobody had to buy a car. That would change everything. So have, I mean, you're a transportation guy. Have, have you guys thought about this? Uh, yeah, yes, and uh, and in fact, I'm writing a book on that right now. Oh, you need and a ghost. You need a ghost but, writer. But but let, but let me let me plug my other book, Street Smart: The Rise of Cities and the Fall of Cars. Nice. So please go out and get it. My next book will be on autonomous vehicles. Wait, wait, wait. wait you need a ghost writer. Just FYI, we'll talk okay. offline. We'll talk right, or a right. ghost editor. Uh, and, and but you're but you're right, Vince. This will be so disruptive. We've never seen anything quite like it since the advent of the car 120 years ago. It, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this. And there's your like, headline. Oh there's your do headline, you, Vince. Do you know that in 20 states, the number one job, 20 states, not New York, is truck driver? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Those, those jobs uh, are going to be gone in 20 years. Why are truck driver jobs going to be gone? Because that, in my, on my list here, I, I said that they can't get rid of truck drivers. They will get rid of truck drivers. Really? Mm. They, uh, they will send a truck from uh, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, carrying those steaks going to uh, Atlas Steakhouse. Nice. And, good, uh, good, good one there. <laughs> and they'll, they'll drop it off right in on Coney Island Avenue within, without a person driving the vehicle. Why do they need anyone driving the vehicle? Well, then who's going to take those delicious steaks into <laughs> Atlas Steakhouse for cooking by their Top quality chef. Well, a lot of times it's not the driver that's doing that anyhow. Atlas will have mm. some people there that will take it, and and you will not, not have to pay for a driver to spend three days from Omaha delivering those steaks. I, mean, I have to say, Sam, money. I am looking forward to this book of yours because the idea, it's very revolutionary, the idea that I would not even own a car. Well, I don't own a car, but I would I would just punch a couple of buttons on a, on a phone, walk out my door, the car's there with no driver. It drives me to wherever I'm going. Maybe it even picks up someone because the software is designed that it knows where everybody wants to go. And maybe maybe it knows, hey, there's another guy who's going to the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown. Let's just swing by and get him. It's on the way. Suddenly I'm in a car with a bunch of people. And then we, we get out and the car drives somewhere else. And, and, and it makes perhaps if it's your car, it makes money for you. This is revolutionary. And I don't think anybody who's living today, except maybe if you're 10, can can imagine life like that? Is it that it's that disruptive? Yeah. Hey, well, f well. First of all, some of it's already been solved. So what you described of of knowing where a group of people are yeah. and where they want to go and figuring out the best way to pick them up. In fact, that's the Via model. Yeah. That's what they do. There's another company called Bridge, which does it with a small bus and t essentially a bus on demand. That's there. The difference is going to be that you will not need a driver. Yeah. Now, there are so many changes that are going to happen. Not only will truck drivers lose their jobs, taxi cab drivers, Uber drivers, anyone that's a driver. Not only will pe people lose, uh, will we see gas stations closed down because mm -hmm. the vehicles will all go to a fleet location and they'll gas themselves. There'll be some robot that comes out and, and gives them gas or there'll be electric vehicles and they'll plug themselves in. So you, you, you don't need people to do those kinds of things. It'll add a lot more people onto the roads because suddenly everybody could get a driver's license. Even your dog could get a driver's license. Not, not, not Vince's you? dog. That, that okay. dog is so dumb. Well, he's dead. Okay. Well, there you go. So you're <laughs> what you're describing is something so different. It's like Star Trek. Is it going to free us up because we don't have to do all this menial stuff, we're going to conquer space next? I mean, is that is that how revolutionary this is going to free us up? It, it's going to be so revolutionary, but it could also backfire. Oh, tell us that. If you uh -oh. go look look at the film WALL-E. Oh, yeah. I don't know if yeah. you've seen the uh, film uh, WALL-E. It's my son's favorite movie. And, I love it. I watch it all the time. And those are autonomous chairs that yep. they're sitting yep. in. Yep. And so we'll become lazy and fat, and our legs won't work anymore. And, and that's one of the fears. More well, people die in the world today of inactivity than smoking. Five times as many people die of inactivity than in car crashes. Wow. So if we, me feel guilty, Sam. we reduce some of, of the car crashes through autonomous vehicles, but we get people out of walking, biking, taking the subway, uh, we're going to see a less healthy population and kill more people. I had that. That was on my list. I wanted to know if driving actually burns calories because since I went from <laughs> and apparently it does not. I went from I went from you know taking the uh, taking the ferry to work to uh, driving my car and I put on some weight. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Dry, it, if you just take transit, on average, 
transit burns 22% more calories than if you, if you take the car. Well, especially so if you're standing up. Now, now, the autonomous car will do exactly what you said, Vince. It'll take you right to the front door so you don't have to walk from a parking facility and therefore uh, you'll not even get that little bit of walking that you, that you get today. You know, I guess, I, you know what? I hate that walk. I got I to say, Sam, you have made reference to Wally to a 1950s Disney cartoon. That's, that's two Disney references. <laughs> You've mentioned a couple of books. You mentioned this guy Peter North and his book. I mean, is there anything you don't know about transportation and all of the residual issues related to transportation here and around the world? Is there something you don't know? Well, I'm sure there there is, and I don't know what I don't know, but the training in New York City is you see just about everything. I've got lots of funny stories from my from my traffic days. Well, give us a funny story. I mean, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't, that's like saying, I'm Paul McCartney and I just wrote a great song. Okay, all right, good leading. Uh, I used to be in charge of traffic enforcement. Nice. Hmm. And I had a uh, tow truck driver who came upon a car and uh, he started to hook it up and suddenly he, had, he heard sounds from the trunk. He went over to the trunk and he kept he heard a woman yelling and yelling he, don't give me a ticket <laughs> and, and, and he ultimately he did call uh for his supervisor to come over and when the supervisor said well why didn't you open the trunk he said she was speaking spanish i didn't understand her nice. so if you want to hear the the, the, the two dumbest uh <laughs> that, drivers that's ever. pretty dumb but give me a dumber one a dumber one the dumbest are these two brothers one brother gets towed he comes into our tow pound with his brother who parks in the spot that says no parking except tow truck drivers. Oh. So as one brother is going out, the other brother's car is being towed in. That sounds like a fake story. That sounds like a no parking. It's, it's a true story. Unbelievable. I can't tell you how many bodies we found in trunks. But nope. you, you talk about enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about enforcement, though. And this is another thing that, uh, that concerns me. The city's revenue from driving infractions, from parking tickets. When people get towed, they got to spend $300 to get the car back. When uh, speeding tickets, stoplight right, right, tickets, right. when there are driverless cars, isn't all this money going to go away? Like, Yeah, yeah, I, it'll go away, but I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem yeah. with it either, but how is the city going to make up for it? This yeah, is the, yeah, the city has to prepare. I mean, the this city is has the type of change that... It is a revenue stream that right now is in excess of a half billion dollars a year in New York City alone. So That's you, $500 million for those of you who count. Right. Wow. So, and, it, and it's growing. So I, I would say that, that those are one of the things that they have to wrestle with. Insurance companies, mm -hmm. they're scared. Uh, car companies don't know if they'll be in business in 20 years. The big three may not be Ford and Chrysler and that'll GM. Be small, it might be, the be small Google. Three. It may be uh, Apple. I got to say, insurance companies are the least of my concerns because they were the ones who fought tooth and nail for health care against health care reform. And Sam, I don't want to put you on a spot, but the insurance companies have screwed up our health care system. That's it. I'm on the record, folks. <laughs> don't, Sam, don't comment because you're only going to get in trouble. Yeah, no, that's. All right, I've, I've, I got a topic I know you don't know anything about, Sam. Yeah, I pulled it out. I pulled it out. Drones. Are we ever going to see and have you studied drone transportation? I'm talking about uh, cargo, obviously, not people. Literally, there'll be thousands of drones, and you can program them so they don't crash, delivering stuff all over town. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to see too much of that. I think uh, the, the federal government is beginning to look at certain certification for mm -hmm. drones, and there will be more and more requirements if you're going to be flying a drone in an urban area. There, it's pretty odd. I, I live in an apartment building on the 12th floor, and I watched a drone go by my window. I thought nobody could see me in the... Did you give it the finger? I would have right. gave it the finger. <laughs> I would have given it something yeah. else, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you got to strip down when you see a drone. That's Just right. give, them, yes. give them something to look at. Yes. All right, Sam, we got a bunch, couple more questions. we only got a couple more minutes with Sam Schultz. If you're just tuning in, and I don't know how you do that on a podcast. You should have been listening from the start. Yeah. But we're talking to Sam Schwartz, who is a transportation legend. And after the break, I'm going to ask him a question so tough he doesn't see it coming. So, Jimmy, give me a little music. Because I also want to tell him about a guy named Joseph Lichter. I call him Doc. Dr. Joseph Lichter has dentists, skilled hygienists, and a state-of-the-art office in Midwood where you can get up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. And we're talking about a dentist. I'm not talking about an internal medicine doctor. I'm talking about a guy who takes your teeth, cleanings, fillings, root canal, tooth extractions, and not only handles the problem, which is hard enough, Vince, mm -hmm. he does it at a fraction of the cost of those fancy Brooklyn Heights or even those Manhattan dentists. 
talking about Invisalign. That's that alternative to metal braces that goes on the inside of your teeth. Some people charge you $5,000 for that. At Dr. Joseph Lichter's Midtown Midwood office, it's $4,000. So that's a savings of a, a lot. Yeah. So anyway, you want to get an appointment with Lichter. You just call his office, 718-339-7878. He's on Avenue P in Midwood. It's not far from anywhere, hmm. except Manhattan, but who cares? So you call Lichter, 718-339-7878, or just visit him at josephlichterdds.com. There it is. What are you going to do with those teeth? After you get those teeth cleaned up, what are you going to do? You're going to use them, Gersh. You got to use those teeth. You got to use them. You got to put. You you use them or lose them. That's it. That's what it's all about. And you can head over to Atlas Steakhouse for the new, exciting Mediterranean steakhouse experience. It's not one of those German steakhouses. Not to not to put down the Germans, but the steakhouses that I know of that are German style in Brooklyn are rude. And don't treat you well. That's what I'm. That's what I'm being told. And when I've gone to said steakhouses, I don't want to mention any names. It does happen. You don't get that experience at Atlas Steakhouse. No, because it's a Mediterranean steakhouse. It's a Mediterranean style. You can come in. You can enjoy a signature cocktail. Gersh, what do you like? I like the Godfather. There you go. You can have a succulent appetizer. I Gersh. had. I had the crab cakes. All right, and then you're going to order some of the finest steaks. I'm only going to order one, and I would have the... Uh, the well, I'm steak. saying the two of us are there. We're well, then we're going to order three steaks. I'm going to have a, a strip and half of a T-bone. I'm going to have the filet mignon, and it's going to be medium rare. Okay. Because their chefs will cook it the way I like. Really better. Oh, that's the way it works. Listen, Atlas Steakhouse. It's out there in Ditmas Park, up and coming neighborhood, right by 18th Avenue, 943 Coney Island Avenue. You can go online, check out their menu, check out their Sunday brunch. You'll love it, Atlas Steakhouse. Always at atlassteak.com. Jimmy, thank you for that music. So, Sam, continuing our conversation with transportation consultant and former Department of Transportation Commissioner Sam Schwartz, we've been talking about the history of transportation, the days when the roads were lawless and people were dying. And I'm not talking about this week. I'm talking about back in the 20s and the teens. We've been talking about driverless cars. We've been talking about drones plying our airways. I got a tough question for you there, Sam Schwartz. Downtown Brooklyn, can it be solved? We just They just finished installing the J Street bike lane. If you've been reading the Brooklyn paper and other papers, this is like even more controversial than the Prospect Park West bike lane. Because if And we look out the window here and we see near misses all day long. Is there a time and a place and a wrong way to do a bike lane? I'm not saying necessarily this one, but sometimes I find the bike lanes aren't fully vetted. So suddenly I'm, I'm on the right side of the street and all of a sudden it switches to the left on me. Are there some bike lanes that aren't good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen uh, bike lanes, especially bike lanes when you have to cross the Mm -hmm. traffic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the traffic is uh, on your left and you have to move to the right and it weaves across you or the traffic actually crosses you. For the record, he's talking about Bergen to Smith Street. If you can hear the sound of my voice, Polly Trachtenberg, Bergen to Smith. Hmm. So, so there are there are some bike lanes uh, that that are problematic. But again, when it comes to downtown Brooklyn, let's have fewer cars on the roads in downtown Brooklyn. It'll be better for downtown Brooklyn. Well, how are we gonna how are we gonna do that? Because uh, a good chunk of your traffic, more than a third of your traffic, is pass through traffic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have nothing to do with downtown Brooklyn. They're on their way to Manhattan. Well, that's a mistake. And they have well. Well, no, come on, this is America's downtown. Well, there's still some people just don't get it. They don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it. And they're passing you right by, and they're leaving their pollution, their crashes, their noise in your neighborhoods. So Damn them. put them back on the highways where, where they belong. Get we have the, the most cockamamie uh, pricing scheme anywhere in the world where if you want to stay on a highway, like the Gowanus or the Prospect mm-hmm. going into the Battery Tunnel, Yeah. You want to stay on a highway, we will charge you money. Hmm. But if you want to take a city street and maybe knock down a few pedestrians on the way and a couple of bike riders and pollute the air and and just make a ton of noise, hmm. we won't charge you anything. Yeah, that's, that's bass backwards. It that sure is. That's bass backwards. It sure sounds is. like it, yes. I guess I could have said ass backwards. You could say whatever you want. It's your podcast. It's a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so, wait, so you, you still advocate... What, what what would you want the tolls on the on the three free bridges to be in terms of monetary uh, cost? Well, he's got well, the whole plan. Yeah, I, I well, mean the the whole plan says let's let's ha- no longer have bridge shopping, which means whatever you're charging at the Midtown Tunnel or the Battery Tunnel, you charge on the East River oh, bridges. Same, same, same. You, you return. It's electronic charging. I don't use the word toll because people think it means toll booths. It's electronic charging, and what a lot of people don't know, those of of you who aren't or haven't been around as long as me. 
we had tolls on those bridges. Yeah. Every single one of those bridges were built with tolls with the expectation those tolls would maintain the bridges. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1911, Mayor Gaynor, a Brooklynite, by the way, yep. who often yep. walked to City Hall through from Park Slope. William Gaynor, I believe. William Gaynor. You're absolutely right. He removed the tolls Wild from the bridges. Bill. And it came shortly after an assassination attempt on his life. And the police claim there's no connection, but I'd like them to open up a cold case file. Hmm. You heard it here first. That's our book, by the way. You don't, Sam, yeah. don't give that away. We're writing a book about Gaynor. The oh, bill, okay. The, yeah, the Bill Gaynor. Wild, Wild, Wild Bill. Bill. Wild okay, Bill. well, Wild Bill caused such a problem that 60 years later, in the 70s and the 80s, those bridges were falling apart. There was no, or as you would say, pulling a fart. So <laughs> nice, nice, well nice done. Try. Nice try there. Okay, so uh, leave that to the professional. I, yes. I, I, I had to close the Williamsburg Bridge because it was structurally unsound. Mm -hmm. Cables yes. snapped on yep. the Brooklyn Bridge, killing a Japanese tourist. Yep. Uh, the trains were banned from the Manhattan Bridge. You talk about the L apocalypse or L apocalypse. Yep, yep. We had that in the eighties yep, multiple times. I remember the the the. Uh, Manhattan Bridge, Williamsburg Bridge, and even the Queensboro Bridge had roads closed because of structural problems. Yeah, yeah. It costs money. There is no such thing as a free bridge. Yeah. Or, yeah. We, so, we so your answer, so your answer to the, the the traffic issue in downtown Brooklyn is to make it more more costly to drive a car in in these areas. More equitable. Yeah, and and well, to keep people on the fringe highways, keep them on keep them on right. the outside. It's an interesting point about how you pay to ride on the highway, but you don't pay to ride on the street. And I think I've asked you this before, but is there ever going to be a time where the city says, you know what, when you come out of your garage, you're paying a dollar a day or two dollars a day to drive your car that day, and and you know you get, you know, you go through some scanner at the end of the block or something like that. Is, well, is that, that that technology is here already, and it's called uh, Sky Meter, mm -hmm. and you can record. Uh, you could say, well, if you use Flappish Avenue or use residential street you'll be charged more than if you use uh, a highway, the Prospect Expressway. And so, yes, that kind of charging will be here someday. I think we're going to see it in uh, that place across the river before we see it in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, yes, people will be charged. If you want to see the tree on Fifth Avenue or the tree in Grand Army Plaza during Christmas, nice. you may be charged a lot more during Christmas week than other times of the year. All right, listen, Sam, we are running out of time, and if, obviously I want to thank you, and I hope our listeners are fascinated as, as we are about transportation, history, traffic, all this stuff. Vince, you got one more question, because then i got to ask the, the, the final question. My question, we were talking about, we brought up electric cars yeah, we did. for a little bit, but we didn't really, we didn't really get into it. Now, the, the, the highway system, and again, I'm going to come back to taxes. The highway system is paid for basically by gas tax. So if everyone's driving electric cars, how is the government going to pay for the, the, the federal highway system? Yeah, well, it, back in the 50s, you're right, it was set up so that the highway system would be paid with gas taxes. Uh, we haven't had uh, a tax increase since Bill Clinton was president. And that's, uh, that's a long time. That's that's a, for our listeners, time. that's like 100 years. years. Oh, 20 years. Yeah. It's like 100 years ago. Right. And, uh, and also, cars are getting far more efficient. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, essentially, the highway trust fund has gone broke a number of times. We're paying for it out of general tax revenue. And that's a mistake. We should be relying on user fees. It's a, it's a similar problem. That we're coming back to fees here. Well, we're it's a similar problem that when, when Mayor Bloomberg raised the cigarette tax really high, the goal was to discourage people from smoking so much that in the end you'd end up with no revenue because nobody would be buying cigarettes. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, obviously. But that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but you, you're never going to end up with no revenue. There is a maximum point. Uh, London has done it. Uh, Stockholm has done it. Singapore's done it. A number of other European cities have introduced a form of pricing. It is the way of the future, and mm -hmm. it's the only way to control traffic. So what's the best city out there when it Ooh. comes to managing traffic Good and question. managing pedestrians? So you, you've been, you're, you're a world traveler. You've been all over. Everywhere. Shanghai. No, uh, I, no, no. I wouldn't say Shanghai, but <laughs> I, I, I would say Zurich. Zurich? Oh, that doesn't Zurich. count. That, no, no. I'm calling bullshit on that. Zurich does not count. Switzerland. They don't take a position on anything. Give me a real city. <laughs> Give me a real city. How about Barcelona? Barcelona, I'll count. They're really, are they good? Yeah, they're, they're very what good. What makes them good? What do they do? Well, for, for one thing, they've changed the name of the Department of Transportation to the Department of Mobility. Words nice. matter. Nice. Words matter. Words okay, so matter. But what does that department actually do? So, and they began to measure things differently when they became the Department of Mobility. They began to look at trips that people take mm. that take longer than 10 minutes. And guess what they found? Half the trips were by walking. 
So they changed their emphasis that rather than trying to accommodate as many cars as possible, mm. trying to accommodate as many people as possible. Great city. By the way, Vince, have you been to Barcelona? I have not. Park- but now, now I know if Trump becomes president, that's where I have we, to go. We got to go. We got to uh-huh. go. Now, we've talked about transportation with Sam Schwartz. One of the, I would say, wouldn't even say one of, probably the world's foremost authority on transportation and traffic and all that kind of engineering issues. But I'm going to throw the tough wild card question at you because you know, I know you're a fan, Sam. Has Woody Allen just been phoning it in at this point? I mean, he's phoning it in. I didn't see his latest, yeah. but but yeah, it does get tiresome after a while. But I, and I love the early Woody Allen. Yeah, so see, that's I what I was saying. Right. I I've been no. I, I think he's been phoning it in since Take the Money and Run. No, no, Take the Money and Run. Annie Hall, I enjoy, but yeah. after that, that's no, it. No, last good. Woody I, Allen. I like to go back to Bananas, Take the Money and Run, bananas. and Sleeper. He was I, prescient. It was Madcap with, with, with chocolate and the orgasmatron. You yeah, know. you know. Why, 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 you, everything. Do you have an orgasmatron? Oh, of course, don't you? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Actually, I don't. No, last good Woody Allen movie was Match Point, 2005. No, it, I'm saying good. I'm not saying excellent. It's a good movie. All right, All right we got to get out. We have been, and thank you, Sam, for for diving into that. Coming question. here to the office in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown, as you know. He got here via subway, by the way. For he the did record. take the tra- right. he took the train. Do you have like? Do they give you as Sam Schwartz? Do you, do you get like free rides you on got that? A gold card? Uh, you got gold I, I, card. I wouldn't do it. I pay my full fare. Well, although my full fare now that I'm a senior citizen is half fare. Which wait, is but great. They, you suggested they might have offered it to you, you and you turned it down. Uh, at at one point, yes. Oh boy, yeah. the gold card. That's my dream to have the gold card. The gold card. Every retiree from the transit authority gets one. Oh my god, <gasps> the gold card. Wait, wait. How, how long do you have to work? Because maybe we get a quick a quickie job. I know. Work I for two I years. Work there for like a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, can I get us a gold card? Anyway, we got to get out. We've been talking to Sam Schwartz, head of Sam Schwartz Transportation Consultants, the second of our themed podcast editions of Brooklyn Paper Radio. Of course, where's the music, Jimmy? I'm trying to get out. We're getting out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's Sam Schwartz, everyone. So, Sam Schwartz, thanks for joining us. I'm Gersh Kunzman of the New York Daily News, as you know, joined by Vince DiMasselli, handsome man, live from Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. Sam, safe on the subway getting home. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. All right, we'll see you next week.